We're live. Hello? Can I just say, wear a damn mask. Oh, yeah. I wanted to open. I just decided I want to open with that. Open with that. (laughs) Wear a damn mask. (laughs) And the thing is, even if you don't have a mask, you have a mask somewhere in your house. You have a paper, like, hang on. You have a towel. You have a bandana. You have a t-shirt that you're not otherwise wearing. What are you mad about this week? Oh, my God. I'm mad about something that doesn't necessarily, like, it's not in the discourse right now, but I ex- I went through an experience that reminded me that people like this exist in the world. I wanted to it raise happened. awareness. So I went to the hospital today. Oh, no. Everything's fine. Nothing serious. I just had this, like, severe throat pain. And so I was, you know, clinics won't see you right now if you have any respiratory problem whatsoever. Valid. I get it. So I was like, I don't know what this is. I want to know what it is. I went to the hospital. I had waited for three hours for a doctor to come in, swab my throat in five minutes, and tell me that uh, I have strep throat and that the swab will probably prove that. And I'm not mad about that. Three hours is not a long time. Do you want to know why? Why? Because I left that hospital with the same amount of money that I entered it with. Oh. Paid zero dollars for everything. The socialized healthcare serve of it all. Our system is by no means perfect. But can I tell you something? When the revolution comes, you won't have to wait three hours to see a doctor in a hospital. You'll have to maybe wait two. That's not an unreasonable amount of time to sit in the hospital for a non-serious issue. Absolutely. Like, a hospital is a place where big medical things happen. So if you're, not to diminish what happened to you, but if you're going in with a sore throat, you know, you knew you weren't going to die. And the fact that you got in and got out within, like, three hours is pretty rad. Like, the only reason I went to emergency is because I didn't know where else to go. Right. It wasn't because I had an emergency. (laughs) Having emergencies. Get into this. There was a cardiac arrest while I was in the building. They called code blue over the intercom. Code blue means cardiac arrest. You walked in. They took a look at you and she gagged. (laughs) I killed someone eight floors up. Literally your mind. What are you Um, on about this week? (sighs) I, okay, I didn't think it would happen. I didn't think I would see, like, police injustice happen before mine eyes in my own city. And I didn't, but I saw it happen on Instagram. And it made me very mad because it happened at a place that I've been to. And it happened at a place where I have smoked and drank. Where? But. Oh. I'm gonna edit that out for sure. Like we, like we've all drank there. I think we all. And in this case, what was happening was that a friend of mine on Instagram captured this video of homeless man being hounded by like four or six cops because apparently he had been drinking in public. Meanwhile, like within frame, there was someone who was passed out, not receiving any medical attention. And Mm -hmm. that's that's bleak. And I think 
I think it's easy for us to like sweep these things under the rug when it's like you see it's a homeless person and, and like I think the unfortunate like snap judgment is to think like well that happens a lot so that's why the police like aren't paying attention to it because they can understand like where the priority is but if that's still how we're thinking then it's very incorrect and we have to kind of get matter in these situations because it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what your stereotype thinking is anymore it's not humane i mean there's a precedent uh for this stuff with the toronto police like even if you think back like as far as regis that was not that long ago no right like regis korchinski Pake died like a few months ago and Sammy Yatim was shot like 17 times in a streetcar for wielding a knife. The Toronto police is just as corrupt as any other. Abolish the Toronto police. Absolutely. It was just a very stark thing to happen. Like, I, I, I didn't see it with my own eyes, but I mm-hmm. saw it. How, like, it just, it's weird when you see it at a place that you've been because by any other means or for any other reason, it like, could have been you or I standing there seeing it happen in the flesh. And, you know, it, it made it made me it made me mad for a day, and then. The and if following... you want to voice your opinion, honestly, if you want to voice your opinion, sign up for the town hall meeting. Oh, town hall is I'll happening I... July 9th. I'll put the link in the description. July 9th at nine a.m. Link down below. If you can and... go, you, we encourage you to go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be happening on the same day that we record, anyway. So we're going to have coverage on that. And that made me upset, and it's just something that stuck with me also because someone that I know witnessed it. But then the following day, I was walking on Queen West, and I saw a sign outside a gentrified place mm-hmm. that said, we're open. And we, I.e. Queen and we have, West. And the sign said, we're open, and we have booze to go. <sighs> and it, it just... The Maybe irony. Me hanging out with my essential mineral pirate girlfriend. Babe, why are your hands so cold? That me are and I'm gonna die. I, I wish I I wish I could join you. I'm including that. I don't care. That belongs in everyone's ears. <laughs> so I see that sign on a street that is privileged and And I mean I I know the establishment that you're referring to and you know who's getting alcohol to go from that establishment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's a white neighborhood because it's not, but it's a neighborhood for a certain class. For the whole day, all I could think about was the fact that people at Trinity Bell was just drink the day away and leave their cans scattered. Or you have the nice old Asian couples who will walk up to and politely ask if they can take your can. So you give it to them because at least you're a half decent person. But the fact that you can do all that and not have six cops ruin your day or your life that's a privilege is unfair jail all that like freedom is a privilege unless enjoyed by one and all so everyone that is drinking outside this summer just think about the ease with which it happens anyway would you like this soapbox back because i'm done with it oh my god um, I'll take it for a second. Uh, this is kind of unrelated. I'm just going to pivot for a moment. I want to shout out um, my girl, Dula Peep. Uh, <laughs> never thought I'd refer to her as Dula Peep on pod. Uh, but Dua I am, of course, talking about the seminal Dua Lipa, the sensational. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized how Please lovely don't you when you Dua laugh. Lipa. People never know how funny I am. Uh, so anyway... 
Um, I don't know, just like as as half Armenian to half Armenian, like I just wanna extend a arm to my sis uh and say that we stand and I am nostalgic for the future. Yeah, physical. We've already deconstructed that song. You don't need to hear it again. <laughs> it's about bottoming. Hold up, hang on. So I guess we have to continue this um analysis of physical by Dubalipa. It's about bottoming now? Yeah, and I'm going to move it into, uh, I'm going to layer it and say that good and bad is about topping. I think good and bad is about being a good verse. <gasps> Your mind. You cracked the code. Dupalipa said, get the strap. Seen any weird Twitter videos lately? Okay. Yes. And I love to cringe at Karen's, but I, I'm having to stop myself because I was getting into the like linguistic value of it all. And I don't think, I don't think this is, I mean, it's something we're going to meme anyway, but this is something that at least we need to be aware of what it represents just so that we're not laughing at it without being critical of it. And I, yeah. I think we're, we're entering not necessarily dangerous territory with calling angry white women Karens. Um, cause there's, there's too many videos of white people with guns. For it to like be addressed as a euphemism, and we just have to call it what it is. Like these aren't these aren't Karens who don't vaccinate their kids. These are domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorists. They're fascists. They are betraying their class. Like these are, thank you. They're 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 the new bourgeoisie in their own right. And can I can I suggest something? Mm-hmm. Not new. Not new. Yeah. They're just, I think they're scared, which is good. They Mm. should be scared. Because they're entitled. This, I think somehow fascism has like bred a very interesting breed of entitled boomers. I was, I was getting into like the origins of Karen as a nomenclature and as like an eponym and as a meme. And apparently one of like the article I read one of the articles I read stated that it was about this one, like it kind of came from this one Reddit user who saw this subreddit about this guy chronicling his divorce from a woman named Karen and how she had the haircut, they got divorced, she took the kids, she spoke to the manager. And this was an ongoing process. And this kid. I can't believe was, she spoke to Doja Cat. <laughs> and, this kid, and this kid created a subreddit to compile like the lore behind this guy's divorce and it was called fuck you karen and then like the ad just like brought up other like historical instances of like hmm karens and social media being or like sorry karens and popular culture being represented as like the dits on mean girls or like like women who call the cops on black people selling lemonade Exactly. Like, and, but they're actually far more dangerous than that. And and then it got into like, is this a misogynistic thing? Because it's you know talking, it's like it's, it's a thing to like degrade women with, and it's not. It's not misogynistic because I think it falls into the same vein of you can't be racist to white people. You can't. There is no slur for a white woman. There is no conceivable word you could come up with that would ever equate to a slur for a white person. And it's not going to happen. All you can do is call them.
fascists for what they are. Yeah. That's very poignant. I agree. Like, I think that uh, we can't use these sort of, like, even meme terms to, like, to create euphemism for what is fascism. Because that's, then we bolster fascism. Because when fascism can hide, it can grow. Um, Exactly. When it's out in the open, it's exposed, and then it gets destroyed. We've seen it time and time again in history. We're still very much tiptoeing around the fact that I forgot where I was going with that. What that I means, actually can I add to what? that though? Yeah, that, that the fact that I think it's equally important that just because like we can sit here and say that fascism will die when it's out in the open, that it is still our responsibility to grab those fascists and drag them out in the open and show them to the world so that the world can react to them. Right? It's not a matter of waiting around for fascists to reveal themselves because there's enough of them already. They just, they, they know how to hide because they're within the class and they're within the levels of society that have the most also the power state over exists people. To protect them. Exactly. Capitalism exa- exists to, capitalism is, a fa- is, is, is the fascist's career. Is, uh, isn't fascism, capitalism, and decay? Isn't that what people say? I don't okay. know if I believe that. I'd have to look Edit- into it. Edit the audio around that because I was trying to describe it. Not no, I think that I, I think it sounds fine if we arrive at it together. But that being said, apparently there's a thing called bourgeoisophobia, mm-hmm. which is this like disgust for the like 18th century, like the hang on, it's the disgust for the bourgeois that kind of like arose out of the 18th century when there was like less aristocracy and just more middle class. And the middle class started to like be the purveyors of art, like I think other like yeah, like the eighteenth, nineteenth centuries are when historically you're right. Um, the bourgeois like were sort of fed up with how much control the nobility had, and then they took more power through revolution, and that's how capitalism uh, developed early. Mm-hmm. So all all we really did was cut off the head of one snake but replace it with another. That's the tea. And then, because this is the class that started to consume the art, the artists themselves became frustrated with their audience. Again, another article I was reading just said that um, the bourgeoisie. Hang on, how do you hang on? How do you pronounce the one philosopher? G O E T H E. Goethe. Goethe. Yeah. What's like the Americanized way of saying it? I'm not going to make you say Gaudi on this podcast. Gaudi. No. Oh my god. Um, G O E T H E, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Goethe. Goethe. Um, so Goethe said that they are too clumsy to know true art and love. Um, and Marx and Engels said that they are the creators of a machine obsessed. Uh, Marx and Marx and Engels said they are the creators of a machine obsessed culture doomed to be overthrown by the proletariat. As always, I think it's fine to just kind of take it from daddy marx's perspective because that really is the tea i'm gonna go ahead and agree with you and add the caveat that we now need to be listening to modern queer black like marxist theorists and philosophers as well oh yeah absolutely because the game starts with marx but it by no means ends with him Mm -hmm. and like can i say something that's a little controversial i'm gonna say read lenin and then add an asterisk. If you have time, 
and nothing better to do. But I also think that the proletariat and the working class have better things to do and also like have to put food on their table. So not everybody might necessarily have the time to just, you know, read Lenin. Right. Beyond that, though, if you have time, like I, I still think it's worthwhile as someone who's read Lenin. Like his, his work is solid. It's, it, and if you've read Lenin, write in because I haven't. You have to be critical of him, though, like like anybody. I was talking to someone about this recently, and it related to tearing down monuments um, to, like, racist oppressors. And this idea that, like, uh, when you take down a monument, then history disappears is completely false. It doesn't, the history doesn't go anywhere. Like, history comes through stories and through teaching, like, and instruction, at least in the United States. Like, that's how people learn history, not by staring at a monument and like learning through osmosis about it. Do you know what I mean? How many fucking right. monuments plaques have you read? Probably I bet none. And I'm sure not everyone is like that. However, like this also relates to when we talk about like tearing down the system. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that if we tear down the system, then we'll tear down like the history of humanity because apparently this is the zenith and the pinnacle and humanity will never progress beyond where we are, right? And so this idea that if we get rid of capitalism or whatever, and like, then all of like human history will have been for naught, which is not the case. Like you won't learn from your history by glorifying all of the events of the past uncritically. Humans are very materialistic in the sense. And I think all of everything we do is driven by a fear of death. Even And even if we're not afraid of dying, everything we do is driven by wanting to leave a lasting impression for when we're dead. And monument, like statues and monuments are the ultimate testament to that because they're big, they're heavy, they withstand the elements. When you put something down that's big and takes up space, it's a stamp on what happened. And I think it, a simple-minded person needs that visual reminder. Mm -hmm. And... Most people don't want to think critically about it. Yeah. So tear down M Mount Rushmore is what I'm saying. Oh, blow that shit off. Give back Mount Rushmore to the Lakota Sioux. Like, it's not up to us to decide what happens to Mount Rushmore. I think we just need to give the land back. I can't believe we talked about Goethe on our podcast. I want to yak. Something else, though, that I thought was interesting when I was reading about bourgeois phobia was um, that a lot of, like, the avant-garde counter movements in art that have happened have always been sort of in relation to rebellions against the bourgeois or okay. like not middle class that do you have any examples like what do you mean like the like the beatnik poets and like the 90s performance artists um like baroque music stuff like like metal punk grunge anything that's counterculture counter has always or has or it's positive that it's positive that like they're going against whatever middle class is the most dominant in that time um but because it's a phobia then the people who philosophize about this are going to say that it comes from an inherent disgust because if you're the audience that's watching it you're watching it and you're having a reaction and you're either into it or you're against it so the artistic drive or the the goal of the person who thinks like well this is how my society is i can study get enlightened practice and work hard 
and make something, produce something that's gonna reflect an otherness against what I don't like about what I'm seeing in my society. So the bourgeois phobia goes both ways. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at with this Karen situation. We hate the people like Karens. We hate people like Karens. Maybe it's a bit inherent disgust because like we want to be them because at the end of the day, they have social status and they have money and they have a level of comfort people might not have. And it's okay to want that. Mm -hmm. But it's pointless to get caught up in the identity politics of it. Um, if you see some Karen ass behavior, sure, it might be your first snap judgment of it, but call a spade a spade. It's a fascist. call a spade a spade. You know what I want to say on the pod that I thought while running, but I know we probably can't air. Sis, you got yourself on watch lists just this second. I'm not joking. <laughs> No, but I think I think what would trigger another civil war in the states would be like a Archduke Franz Ferdinand situation where someone shoots a cop, and after that, it's just like a free for all. But I think I think there's like a much like the situation in World War One. I, I think there's a powder keg in the states situation. Yeah, I'm just worried like we have to keep fanning the flames, otherwise, like we're gonna lose, and that's a bad scenario. Mm-hmm. We've won before. We'll win again. <laughs> I have a fan question. Oh my god, who's it from? This one comes from the Barbs. I didn't know she was a listener. Oh my god, uh, Onika. It reads, hello dolls. Longtime listener, first time writer. I just wanted to know, after roughly 11 years and 15 seasons, who do you think will be crowned Queen of the North? The Barbs wants to know who you think is gonna, who you like in RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Off of first impressions? Jimbo. Okay. Something about that bitch is doing it for me. I should make clear um, that like the the show is airing as we speak. Yes. I uh, so we've not seen the episode, just the promos, right? Yes. I'm excited for Jimbo though. I liked her. I liked her concept from the first look. Rooting for Tainomi, Toronto legend. Yeah, honestly. And Priyanka. I like Priyanka. Rooting for Tainomi, Toronto legend. Oh my god. I hate you. Could you imagine uh, if... Wait, do you know Calypso Cosmic? Do you know she makes her own corsets and wigs? You know what? Pop off Calypso Cosmic. That's hard shit to do. Isn't that fucking lit? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to put her socials in the thing. I don't know if she knows who we are, but I'm a Uh, fan. What can I say? Who do you want to... Who do you hope to see win this season of Drag Race? I I like Rita Vega. Just because of the name. You know I love a pun name. Yeah. Great name. I'm gagged that Lemon is from New York. I guess she's like Canadian, but lives in New York. Oh, interesting. On God, if a New York queen wins Canada's Drag Race, I will walk off the edge of the earth. It's likely. It could could kill myself. That'll be like season four, maybe. Oh my fucking god, she fucking dead. <laughs> and and then who do you hope to see on on Drag Race one day? Dr. Can. Um, I think it'd be amazing to see Erin Brockovich <laughs> on Canada's Drag Race. I think she's hilarious. She is. She's a she, funny queen. She is the workhorse of brunch. 
Trixie Mattel found scalped. I, I just hope to see um, Lucinda Mew one day win, oh. obviously. And, um, <laughs> and Gaping Hole. Get that girl on the television. Can you imagine introducing Gaping Hole? Oh. That They'd make her change her name. There's no way. They made Alaska Thunderfuck change her name. I don't. I don't think this is the same thing. I agree that it's not the same, but I don't know. I feel like they would. They just wouldn't let her, and that makes me sad because it's reality TV. But yeah, if you want to see any of the girls we've mentioned on your television sets, don't write into us. Um, HR at Crave might be able to help you out. Um, I just want to say, stream please like me on Netflix. You've been watching that as of late. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to go watch it now. Can we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. 